And welcome back, everybody. This is the Shock Talk Innovators Podcast. This is our second part of the two-part mini-series of the Michael Staub recording. My name is Jacob O'Connor, and I'm joined by my good friend, John Peterson. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good, Jacob. Thank you. Um, so now I'm going to move on to question two. It says, you've only just begun at Blue Origin, but what drew you to this job? What are your new responsibilities, and what are you most looking forward to getting your feet wet? Um, so what drew me to Blue Origin is actually two things. Um, the first is uh, Blue Origin has this very aggressive, but also this very inspiring plan of what they, this roadmap of what they are trying to do with the idea of making space available to everyone. And Jeff Bezos and the, the, the driving sort of, sort of, uh, goal for the entire company is creating a vision where millions of people live and work in space. And the, the company has a very, as I said, has a very ambitious roadmap to doing that, but um, it's something that really drew, drew me in to wanting to want to work on a lot of these programs. And it, uh, unfortunately, I can't talk about any of them because they, a lot of this, a lot of the programs we're working on are internal and not public. But um, the second piece that drew me there is, is not only just this, this roadmap of this, this very aggressive and, and inspiring plan of, of how to make that vision a reality, it's that they're also hiring um, and building the, the teams that are gonna be able to, to meet those challenges. And they're gonna do so in a way that it's, it's, it's not just bluster. The, the teams they're putting together are probably some of the best engineers that I know in the industry. So when, when you work in the space industry, it's, it's kind of a small community. You, you kind of figure out between um, the, big, the big sort of, of space companies out there, you kind of figure out who are, the, who are the really good engineers at each of these companies. And Blue is managing to attract a lot of them to the company. So we're building a, a really a world-class team that is going to take this, this great vision is going to turn it into reality. The next 10 years are going to be incredible for for the company i think um i think we're going to surprise a lot of people with what we've been doing where blue origin is a very sort of secretive uh company we we hold a lot of plans of what we're doing close to the chest we don't like to to publicly talk about them because we want to set expect you know i i think um and this is just my own personal opinion i think blue wants to you know set expectations of you know what is you know what is reasonable what can reasonably done in in a time, in you know a lot of time frame, but uh, I think people will be the public will be pleasantly surprised at what we are are going to be bringing out in the next uh, in the next decade, and it's very exciting. That's that's you know one of the big things that drew me there was um, we're, we're you know we're talking about not we're not just blustering about millions working living and working in space. We're we're going to make that a reality. And uh, we've got the best team uh, that, that can meet that challenge. So I'm, I'm very, very proud to be part of a team. And it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's going to be a very exciting 10 years. Um, so my new job responsibilities, um, I am a fault management and system autonomy engineer. Um, I believe at the moment I may be, I might be the only uh, dedicated 
fault management and system autonomy engineer in the advanced development programs business unit. And what that basically means is I focus my responsibilities on two things. The first is, is fault management, which is uh, figuring out uh, how bad things or what bad things can happen within the system, how to detect when those bad things happen, and the correct actions we have to take in order to prevent those bad things from, from occurring. And really what we're talking about is we want to make sure that if there's, there's, any, if there's any faults that occur within a system, we want to make sure that they, A, don't, don't propagate up into higher levels of the system that can cause worse, that can cause even a worse problem to occur. But we also want to make sure that we have the correct uh, fault tolerance in place so that we don't create hazards that could hurt uh, either our ground crews, the public, or could result in us losing, losing the mission that we're flying at. Um, I can't talk about specifically what missions that I'm working on, but um, you know those are is, is sort of a general. This is this is what I do within advanced development programs because there's a lot of there's a lot of programs that we're working on in advanced development. And then the second part of my job responsibilities is determining the system autonomy um, design for the mission. So again, autonomy is is uh, any kind of of actions we want the spacecraft to perform without the ground um, physically intervening. So we can't, uh, you know, we, we can't always command a, command a spacecraft to do something when we want it to. Uh, a classic example is if you're trying to do um, re-entry and landing on Mars because of the distances and the time delays involved, you can't be uh, real-time commanding the spacecraft um, to perform the landing sequence because um, usually it only takes about seven minutes to get down to the surface. And the delay is, is can be, you know, 14 minutes or even longer. So we have to make sure that we have the correct autonomy in place, that the spacecraft can execute these activities without the ground um, in the loop. So that's um, that's kind of the, the two coins of, of what I work on. So um, within the within the the advanced development programs business unit, um, I'm responsible for. Um, leading the, the fault management and system autonomy design for, for uh, different programs, as well as uh, starting to define what, a, what the design process and the design standards should be for fault management and system autonomy within the, comp within the, the advanced development programs business unit. And also starting to uh, build up our team because we really don't we don't really don't have a lot of, of FMSA dedicated engineers. It's pretty much me at the moment. We are trying to find some more folks, but uh, so I wear I wear several different hats. Um, and to the last part of the question, what I'm looking forward to most is um, just just starting to get uh, involved in the in the different programs. There's there's a lot of neat stuff that we're doing, and there's a lot of programs that need fault management and system autonomy expertise. Um, the, the hardest part, I think, is going to be trying to make sure that I don't overdo it and overstretch myself with working too many programs because uh, there are there are a lot of neat programs to work. But, uh, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And uh, the, the important thing is to make sure that uh, I focus on, you know, the, the program that, I, that I'm assigned to and uh, figuring out how to find uh, other competent uh, FMSA engineers in the industry that we can bring in to help us with the other programs. And now to the last question, um, says, you're a proud shopper. What would you say are the key things you learned at Wichita State that have stood you in good standing throughout your career? 
And before we go, do you still de-stress and relax by rocking out on guitar to Metallica tunes? And if not, what do you do in your off time? Um, so to the first part of the question, um, I think what is what helped me when I was at Wichita State is that I focused uh, I focused primarily on figuring out how to be a good learner, which really is um, really something that I kind of developed both at Wichita State and at Georgia Tech is that a lot of the things that I was interested in from a career standpoint and from a research standpoint, um, you just didn't have those, those research capabilities at, at the university yet. As in the, I'm talking specifically about the aerospace engineering department. We just didn't really have a very strong space, um, a space research department. We didn't have a lot of, we didn't really have any professors that had the experience of working in the space industry. So I learned how to first identify what are the things that I liked and then how to, how to properly research, you know, what are the things I have to do to be successful working in the space industry? Um, how do I learn how to, how to research and find the answers to what I'm looking for? That's an important for, for any engineer. And coming into Blue Origin, uh, a lot of the, the fault management and system autonomy standards for, for what an architecture looks like, um, what, what kind of requirements do you need? What, uh, how do we go about performing this function in the spacecraft? A lot of those things are not well defined. So it comes from a combination of, you know, what I have gained over the years, but also um, looking at how others in the industry are, are, are performing fault management and system autonomy. And that, you know, comes into play of, of looking up papers and, and articles and, and uh, various other types of, of research that has been performed in, in the literature to figure out, you know, how, how, are, there, how are those doing this? What works? Maybe what doesn't work and trying to use that with my own experience to develop, you know, what I think is the best, the best way to go about performing this function within a program that has uh, a lot of different projects that it's working on and has, you know, some very aggressive schedules attached to it. Um, to the second part of the question, uh, do I still de-stress by rocking out to Metallica? The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> I love, uh, still got my guitars. Um, working on getting a, another couple of instruments, but yes, I, I, I still uh, take the time to, to play my guitars and, and to, uh, to learn some new songs, um, especially in the pandemic. It's good to have some, some outlets and some hobbies. I'm as guilty as everyone that um, I probably have, have kind of let some hobbies uh, slide. I haven't practiced as much as I would have liked to. Um, you know, working on on how to take care of yourself in a pandemic is is something that we all learn with time. Um, but I I am getting much better with it. Um, I haven't let it go, and I, I still do practice and and uh, I, I absolutely listen to uh, to my Metallica when I'm when I'm working. It it really gets me in the zone to 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 do good engineering when I'm sitting at my desk. Um, but aside from that, you know, in the pandemic, I've also picked up a couple new hobbies. Uh, my, my wife has taught me knitting, so I've made a couple scarves um, for, for some family. Um, it passes the time. It's something, uh, it's something interesting, and, you know, I'm starting to get a little more into that. And uh, also, I've, I've picked up baking. Um, I'd say in the, the pandemic, I've become a, a, a fairly accomplished bread and, uh, 
and patisserie baker. Um, there are always uh, other things that I'm trying to learn, um, you know, from a from cooking and, and baking perspective. But it's it's been nice to kind of pick up some some other hobbies in the pandemic. But uh, I'll always have uh, always have my music, my guitars, and my my piano to to always uh, to always fall back on because it is one of my favorite hobbies. Yeah, so I think it's just incredible that Michael has had the opportunity not only to work for NASA, but now he's going to Blue Origin, two of the powerhouses in this industry, in the space industry, aerospace. And I think the fact that he started at NASA, gave him that good framework, that good groundwork. Now he gets to go to a company like Blue Origin, which I would argue is, I mean, they're both innovative, but I would argue Blue Origin maybe has a little bit bigger vision and has a little bit more control not being a privately held company right. or privately yeah. held organization like NASA. And he talks a lot about this vision and Jeff Bezos' vision, if that, for Blue Origin to make space travel accessible for everyone and to one day be able to live, you know, asynchronously between Earth and space. I mean, can you imagine being a part of something like building something like that? Arguably the future of what's to come. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to think about, you know, common commercial space travel. It's something that we've dreamed about for forever, but to actually have it you know, maybe attainable in the next 20, 30 years is very, very exciting. And to hear Michael talk about the team that they're assembling with that, uh, I, I hadn't thought of it this way, right? Because when he was talking about engineers, I was thinking, you know, there's probably just tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of top engineers out there. But he was talking about aerospace engineers and specific rocket scientists. They said, he said it's a tight knit community, right? Whenever you're performing on a high level, like he was at NASA, he said that he could pick out the top engineers at every firm. And so there wasn't that many engineers to pick from the first place. Well, then he talked about Blue Origin building this incredible team and how they're attracting that talent from these other top organizations and bringing them into Blue Origin to build what we just discussed is, you know, quite possibly the future of space travel. Right. I think they're creating a very good culture over at Blue Origin. They're trying to get the best of the best. And being a, being a, a separate entity besides the government, you can do that. You can go out and you can create the best team out there and I think that's really where the innovation is going to come because they have all of the good minds thinking alike on the same project yeah and you know to sidestep a little bit and to, to move out of that he talks about how he decompresses and the fact that he listens to Metallica recently he's taken up um, knitting and baking he's got all these interesting habits I think by far the most interesting thing was when he said in order to get into the zone for engineering, I guess would be the correct verb to use. In order to get into that zone, he often throws on Metallica. And when I think of Metallica, I don't think about, you know, like locking in on engineering or something that's involving my mind. That just kind of blew me away and surprised me. Yeah, I think it was very interesting. But I, I mean, everybody's got to have their little bit of release or their, their motivation to get stuff done. I mean, I know I have my own. I know you have your own. It's just, it's just one of those things that we all have to have. It's, I think it's important for him, especially being so engineering focused, you know, it's, it's so with numbers and everything like that, you have to have that little bit of release. Well, and I feel like there is a connection between he is, he is musically inclined as well. He talked about playing right. the piano, playing um, the guitar. And I feel like there is a connection between engineering and the science realm, as well as like, you know, that creative aspect of music. I feel like you can draw a connection or, or it's important to have both those elements. This is concluding our two-part miniseries, the Michael Staub recording. Um, thank you, Michael, for sending this over to you, for sending this over to us. We had a great time, and you're definitely up to some incredible things. We wish you all the best. So.
that being said, thank you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Tune in next week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.